Good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to Malvern. I hope you've had a very pleasant journey all the way from Italy. Now, you'll forgive me for being blunt when I say categorically that I'm afraid you've wasted your time coming here today. The Morgan Motor Company has a proud 110-year history of independence as a quintessentially British company. And I can say most firmly that... We are not for sale. I hope that's clear enough for you to understand. I see you've now placed an enormous bag of money on the table. And can I just say once again, buongiorno and welcome to your new home. Molto bene. You know, I really must get my wife to make you her spaghetti bolognese. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. I'm Gareth, and that's Finn interrupting. Can you hear that? I think he's becoming more vocal more often during these shows. You know, is that my imagination? I think he actually understands the words "Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed," and then starts shouting at that very point. Except when he wanted to shout. Yeah, when he goes silent. There he goes, Finn, hush! Are we sure that's not your voice that's making that? <laughs> <laughs> you could have a frog in that throat, but you have a cat. Hello, Finn, he's in here now. Finn, settle down, please, anything. Because we want to talk about Geneva. The first thing I want to say about Geneva is Alexander Bastido. Are we allowed to say that on a family show? You would have to say, yes, we are. Probably not old enough to remember the champions, Richard, are you, no? Mm, no. TV series made in the 60s, early 70s, about these three superheroes, two blokes and a woman, who were based in Geneva. And the titles always started with the three of them standing in front of this huge fountain. And yeah. since that day, do you remember that? You, you know the no, fountain? No, I just know the fountain. Yeah. Since that moment... I can't think of the Geneva International Auto Salon, or wherever it's actually called, without seeing Alexander Bastido, who was the most attractive of the three champions, standing in front of that was huge this, fountain. Um, was this an ATV production, Lou Gray? ITC or, uh, would have sold uh, it, International Television, whatever they were called. But it was all, like sort of rash of those kind of programmes, like the Persuaders. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sort of yeah. Part of yeah. that same and, and way. In some yeah. way, they always had yeah. to end up in Geneva because it sounded terribly exotic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've I, never... I, and whatever's got some variation of international troubleshooting, bit of spying, bit of action, bit of, bit of zooming about in a Maserati. Yeah, I've yeah. never actually been to punching the, a man in a fez for some reason. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a behind a curtain, a, a lot of glamour, and it all gets wrapped Luger. up in forty-five minutes. I've never been to the Geneva show. You have multiple times, Richard. Yes, yes this is the first year for a long time that I haven't gone, and it turns out that I look like I'm missing this, a cracker. I know because the truth is that I usually go because some car makes will go, oh, we'll take a bunch of freeloading journalists. Oh, that Richard Porter, he's a freeloading journalist. We'll take him. And then they'll put you in a hotel because if they don't, hotel rooms are very hard to get in Geneva at showtime. But then I realised, having been NFI and not having an invitation of any sort on someone else's dollar, I suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute, I could pay for myself to go. Now, I won't be able to get a hotel room, and even if I do, it'll be multi-expensive. But... 
you can go for the day because the Geneva Motor Show is in the Palexpo complex, which is basically part of the airport. And it's actually not that expensive to it's fly not. to Geneva. So I only yeah. suddenly thought about this like 10 days ago and went, well, I'll have a little look on the old EasyJet website, see if I can get to Geneva. For under £150, I could go to Geneva for the day, which made me feel like I was in some kind of 1960s crime-solving thing. thing Popping to Geneva for the day, dear. Yes. Come back in the evening. How was your day? It was good. I went to Geneva, actually. Here's Uh, some cheese. Yes. Here's a Toblerone. uh, Yeah, you can buy those in any airport. That's more Zurich, Um, isn't it, clocks? More Zurich than Geneva, yeah. Cuckoo clocks. Cuckoo clocks. That's the dangerous thing about going to Geneva for longer than a day is that I found myself there before where you suddenly have some time to kill in a weird gap between sort of the day after the show, you've stayed the night, there's a bit of time before you need to go to the airport, you're in a hotel in the city centre, go for a little wander, go and have a look at the big fountain, but I always find myself just walking around going, don't buy a watch, don't buy a watch, don't buy a watch. (laughs) Because there's a lot of watch shops in Geneva, funnily enough. Yeah, I can imagine you spending a lot of time looking at watches. I've I've managed to resist, I've never actually bought a watch in Geneva, but I quite like the idea. Again, because it feels exotic. And army knives? Have you a collection of army knives? No, I've as never. Well? No, oh, no. I, love, I love a Swiss army knife. Mm. Those. I like the Belgian it's army knives. Don't sell blades. as well, do they? Yeah. It's always Swiss army. No, What's wrong with the Belgian so army? Yeah. Should so, we talk about the cars? We should just say that the show actually opens this weekend. Uh, two days time. Yeah, two days time. So we're, we're recording this show so on a we're Tuesday. Going on the basis of you know either what we know is going to be launched or mm. what's yeah, so, expected so to be. Press day has happened. So yeah, pretty sure that unless someone went, did you? Pull the cover off. No, I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> then everything's sort of out Everything's there, out of I the think, open. I think. Yeah. This, a car which caught my eye. I mean, there are many, many cars. As Richard said, it looks like a corker this year. But a car particularly caught my eye, the Hispano Suiza Carmen. Now, uh, Hispano which one? Su- exactly. Well, Hispano Suiza are back. And I'll say it twice. Hispano Suiza are back because Hispano Suiza are back twice. There are two concerns who've turned up at Geneva with cars allegedly Hispano Suizas. The first one is the Carmen. Now this is an electric hypercar developed by QEV Technologies. So they run the Mahindra Formula E team. So apparently yes, they, yes, they know about good pedigree electric cars. for electric technology. And the people who run this group are called Group Peralda. They're a Spanish conglomerate who are essentially sort of a leisure and culture business owned by someone called Suque Mateo. Now, Mateo is the grandson of the co-founder of Hispano Suiza. And this, that's why he thinks he can use the name. Yeah. Or there may be more to it than that. Well, but, exactly. But he's not the only one who thinks he can use the name. Yeah. Well, he's, not, he's the grandson. The great-grandson of... Damien Matteo was one of the co-founders right. of the original Hispano Suiza in 1904. I mean, my granddad was in the British Army, but it doesn't mean I'm allowed to just <laughs> go and shoot <laughs> guns and drive and attack. Yeah, your own regiment. That's his claim to the brand, but is it strong enough? Because there's another concern. They've got a car called the Hispano Suiza Maguari GS1 GTC, catchy name. It's based on the Audi R8, mm. the previous generation, with a V10 engine. Mm. Now, they showed this car... I was going to say, this is not an entirely new thing they showed a version of that in 2010 right yeah and they've brought it back because the guy who runs it an austrian guy called erwin leo himmel 
he claims to have bought the brand and have the rights to use the brand. Mm. And I reckon he's only showing this car again because someone else in the meantime is trying to fob themselves off as Hispano Suiza. And I think it's like that common land law. You know, there's a law in Britain that if there's a piece of common land that's been ignored for 12 years... You can claim it, apparently. Well, so, like so it's basically something along the lines of, in order to retain the rights to use the name, he maybe has to have a product out there and mm. demonstrate yeah. that he's doing something with the brand. But this is yeah, only like Buck's Fizz, isn't it? Exactly. All the Temptations. Yes. There's like seven different Temptations <laughs> yes. currently touring. Or the Sweet. Yeah. There are two Sweets. Really? There's yeah. a lot of this goes on, and you just yeah. go, well, I don't know. And also, they sort of become increasingly less relevant. So you're saying he- Buck's Fizz aren't relevant? <laughs> what, would I? Or for that matter, Hispano-Suiza. Those kind most of aspersions, but... Haven't heard of exactly. I mean, most, certainly most people would go, "Oh, they Spanish," because it's not. It's mm-hmm. not immediately apparent. You just go, "Oh, I've heard." Right. People have this vague idea that it's some grand car mark from the dim, distant past. Mm. But are either of those cars going to actually be produced? How close are they? Who to? cares? I mean, I mean, honestly, also, there's two names. Just split it down the middle. You be Hispano, you can be Suiza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I want to be a Spano. Shut up. We've got this far. The Carmen, though, have you seen it? It's an extraordinary looking thing, which sort of evokes something from the 1930s. So it's got that sort of grand history of the automobile with this tapered rear end, but with mm. very modern underpinnings. The other car is just a, you know, it's a garageista sort of thing. Yeah, well, it just dicked around with an R8, which frankly doesn't need it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, yeah. I think Hispano Suiza have got the right idea, and Hispano Suiza have got the wrong idea. <laughs> I concur. Okay, let's talk about Aston Martin, because, Richard, you probably know more about this than me. I was slightly baffled by the appearance of two mid-engined Aston Martins at Geneva. Can you explain? Yeah, one of them is, I think it's a working title, is the 003. It's called the RBR003, uh, I believe yes, now. Yeah. Because this is sort of son of Valkyrie. Sorry, it's called the AMRB003 now. Right. Yeah. Is it, Do is keep it, me posted if any more letters come in while we're speaking, because it sounds like the name's getting more complicated. Is but. this the Valhalla or the one that was... Well, no, so, the, so the Valkyrie is the ultra-mega hypercar that's happening already. They'd announced that. Although, apparently, Geneva, they're showing sort of proper production spec, because previously yeah. it was basically a glass fibre model, and they've been tweaking the design. This is the Adrian Newey-designed one. Yep. It's incredibly sort of recumbent driving position and an insane amount of power and all manner of aero trickery and the full Adrian Newey computer for a brain stuff going on. But it's going to cost, I should forget now, two and a half million quid. And then there's a pro version beyond that. Yes, yes, there's like a sort of track version where people have gone, not hardcore enough, I'm afraid. (laughs) An Adrian Newey design car with proper aerodynamics and more power than Would you like to go pro, sir? But this is becoming more a thing, isn't it? It doesn't seem quite so off the wall anymore for a manufacturer to offer you either a particular car or a particular version of one of their high-performance cars that is not road legal and you can only drive on a track. And, when in, they fa- and, and in fact, you yeah. might even have to book for it to turn up on a track. Yes. At the same yeah, 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 yeah. There's clearly a lot of the sort of mega-mega-riches who have got the money to just do that. The thing is, I think probably a lot of these people will go, yeah, OK, I'll have a Valkyrie and... Um, Go on, chuck a Valkyrie Pro in my basket while I'm here. <laughs> it's that, I think that's the world we're dealing with. And so the AM RBR ABC 123... Yeah, that's what it's called. This 003 is yeah. kind of son of 
Valkyrie. I bet they're saying 003 because it's actually. Oh, I, I sincerely bet. hope they don't because they need to they knock off. No, I bet they are as well. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, you may as, may as well milk uh, it. They pay for the rights. Well, yeah. So this is going to be about a million quid. Still going to be super powerful. Hybrid V6 powertrain. They'll claim it's F1 inspired. But then below that, the other mid engine car on their stand was then sort of son of. Son of Valkyrie. They're calling it the Vanquish Vision. The Vision bit is because it's a concept car, officially. And this has got nothing to do with Adrian Newey, this car, has it? No, this is Aston taking... Well, they're saying some of what they've learned from working with Adrian Newey. One of the things they're saying, I think it was Marek Reichman, the chief designer, was saying, is that this car is smaller than it would have been if they'd done it before they'd worked with Adrian Newey. They've learned a lot about packaging and about sort of shrink wrap everything around the engine package... And using that kind of thinking mm. to make the car smaller. They're sort of actively now saying, well, you know, cars are always getting bigger and bigger. We're going to buck this trend. We're going to start making things smaller and smaller because we're going to package them more tightly. And this is where it starts. So this thing, I think it's going to be related to the 003. They look quite similar. They do, That's why it's they? quite yeah, hard yeah. to understand. Mm. But the production version of this Vanquish Vision will be a Ferrari... I was going to say 488, but that's already defunct because we've got the, the F8 Tributo now. That's it, yeah. So it'll be a rival to that. But by the time it arrives, I guess whatever's replaced that and whatever's going to replace the McLaren 720S. So it's that kind of what we still call supercars, I guess. The kind of mid-engine supercar brigade. Probably be about 250 grand or something like that. So probably sort of stepping somewhere in between a Hurricane and an Aventador or whatever replaces yeah, yeah, the Aventador. Yeah. Again, they say it'll have some kind of hybrid technology. V6 engine, which is a yeah. tough sell, but I think by the time this actually becomes a production car, that's what McLaren will have done as well. And who knows? Ferrari and, might I, start I, creeping I, down I like route. the idea of this downsizing, make it compact, you know, shrink mm. everything. That's tight. As long as there's still good. room it's for what Murray people. would do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there we go. So we've got three. This is the weird thing I was going to say. is that On the Aston Martin stand at Geneva, there were three mid-engined cars. Mm. And two years ago, Aston Martin seemed to have no truck with mid engineness because mm. they were still doing, you know, the Vulcan was front-engine track-only car and all of their other cars, DB11 and V8 Vantage, stuff like that. Except there's two mid-engine cars in Aston's past, one of which was is oh, very well-known. The Nimrod? Uh, the we Bulldog. count that? Oh, the Bulldog, of the course, Towns. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a concept yeah. car, yeah. a running concept car yeah. from 1980 or something. Yeah. It was mid-engined. Yeah, 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 William Towns, I couldn't remember his William Towns, yeah, yeah. But also lesser known is that the V8 Vantage was originally designed to be mid-engined, and that was when Ian Callum had a little studio, basically in a shed at the side of the Jaguar design studio viewing yard, where he, cause he was still, at that point, Aston and Jag design bosses. Mm-hmm. And he was finishing off the DB9 for them mm-hmm. and working up the early stuff on the V8 Vantage. And at that point, that was going to be a mid-engine car. Interesting. I've seen oh, there a was picture an, of the, of the, the, the rendering. Well, and then they went, oh, it's too expensive to do that. We've got to make it all front-engine because then it can all be more related to each other. And that never happened. But now, yeah. Aston basically are going to have what I think Andy Palmer, their boss, says yeah. there'll be three Meccano sets from which they will spin off different models. So there'll be the one we already see, the DB11 which is also the V8 Vantage and the DBS Superleggera, front-engine sort of sports-slash-GT car. There'll be the taller, higher-riding one, which is the DBX, the SUV. Mm. We'll also spin into these new Legondas. That's the third yeah. Aston concept of the yeah. Geneva show, is this Legonda SUV sort of thing. All-terrain. All-terrain, that's yeah. it, yeah. Be and built in Wales, saloon. Yeah, yeah, mm. because they will, because that's the thing, the DBX is built in Wales. Yeah. So that factory in St. Athens will cater for all the cars built on that platform. So the DBX and then the electric Legondas saloon mm. and an SUV sort of thing. 
And then there'll be a mid-engine box of parts, and that'll do, I guess, the 003 and the Vanquish Vision, whatever it becomes. Now, you're talking about a box of parts, mm. a Meccano set. The Meccano is the exact word that they use. Well, yeah, that just got me thinking a little bit about the fact that when I was reading about what had been announced for the Geneva show, it struck me there were quite a few high-end, limited production, but hoping to be, you know, obviously very high-quality production vehicles from Pininfarina, yep. the first production car they've ever made. Yeah. And there's this, is it Mark Zero thing from Anton Pich? Oh, yes. Uh, descendant of Ferdinand Pich from a family with getting a very strong automotive heritage. It struck me that there's obviously stuff going on in the background that means it's easier for somebody to realistically plan on producing vehicles really almost from scratch, from pulling together the resources, the engineering resources, the design resources, all of the production resources they need to build these vehicles. And so there are a lot more kind of boxes of parts of, you know, Meccano sets around to draw on. I reckon it's electrification that's doing it. In some ways, it's the same as Kennedy's response to the Soviet Union putting up the first satellite, the first man in space, the first dog in space before that. To even the playing field, he set a higher goal. He said, "Okay, let's shoot for the moon because they're not preparing for that. It makes it an even race. And in some ways, all these startups are doing super duper hypercars. And they're starting from a zero position, the same as most car manufacturers, which is why they think they stand a chance of doing it. If you're trying to raise money from venture capitalists, what's the term, venture Mm. capital organisations, you have to go in with a plan and you have to say, well, it's going to be an electric car because no one will fund anything else these days, practically. And I think that's part of the reason. I don't think they're all electric. They may be hybrid. There are an awful lot of lucky cars appearing there. I think they're probably, they're probably just going to get any attention. You've got to make some outlandish claim. Yeah. And now, with the electrification or partial electrification, you can sort of say 1,200 horsepower, 1,500 yeah. horsepower, and it's not completely balmy. Whereas if you say, oh, we're going to do 1,500 horsepower, yeah, well, aren't you using a Chevy LS with supercharged <laughs> on? I mean, I'm sure you can, but uh, what yeah. kind of race fuel will it yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the warranty yeah. like? But now you sort of go, OK, no, this, this sounds feasible, so you can make these outlandish claims. I mean, it's been ever thus that people have gone for these sort of ridiculously supercar-y things when they're a new car company. You just have to, because the chance of making a profit is because you can charge a lot of money for them. If you went, we're going to do a new hatchback. It's basically like a Golf. Well, we're a newcomer. <laughs> be very exclusive. Uh, yeah, we volume will, car. We'll, we'll you haven't got the ability well, to We can't make really volume. build it in volume, yeah, but yeah. we are going to have to still charge £25,000 for it. So, oh, but no. I don't think Pininfarina are planning to become a car manufacturer who, in five years' time, are going to be making an no. electric hatchback or, yeah, or beach they, buggy or, you know... Well, you know They've got plans for four vehicles. The Batista is the one at the moment. The next one is an SUV to rival the Urus. Beyond that, they've got a smaller SUV and then a cheap electric car around about the price of a a 911. Yeah, but they're not going to build a Golf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The thing is, I thought you were going to say, to your point about electric cars heralding some of this change in small companies doing not bespoke cars, but low-run cars, there is a reason, I think, with the electrification thing, which is generally electric platforms work on this almost like skateboard principle and so it perhaps is a bit easier to build up a body on top of it because the Batista is Rimac Rimac, underneath you know they're just taking that and interesting VW are talking about putting out their what's it called their MEB platform making it available for other manufacturers in the way that the beach buggy was built 
on the VW rear engine platform, they're sort of looking back at their old heritage. No, well, no, I think there's no. I think there's a more pragmatic reason for that. Is that no. you know, and this it's is something that's affecting all car companies. They're building yeah, brand new platform with brand new tech, brand new to them. They haven't done pure electric cars before. Most of them, it's incredibly expensive. Mm. And so they're just trying to hedge it a bit. Even VW, hugely rich yeah. corporation, are going, well, hang on a minute, we could maybe get our money back a bit quicker if we license it out to other people. Mm. Interesting tactic. Mm. I was just saying something I learned this week, which I think is really fantastic. Well, two things, actually. I was going to say, the Car of the Year was announced on the eve of the Geneva show. I saw it with a little bit of pride, because the Jag I-Pace mine's supposed to be turning up this month. So, oh. you know, so I wonder if they'll have time to put the little sticker in the back window. But, of course, so, you bought a, a, a Fiat Strada or a Ritmo in I the did, past. Yeah. And I did, yeah. Well, someone said, I mentioned this to someone, I went, oh, well, so it turns out my new car's Car of the Year. And they went, oh, well, that's... Uh, Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and they went, have you not owned a car of the year before? And I went, no, I haven't. And I realised, actually, we have, because we had a Fiat 500. That was car yeah. of the year. And yeah. my dad used to have Chrysler Alpines, and that was car, car of the year. year. So, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. so I feel like I'm carrying on the... Yeah. But the other thing, and this is just fascinating, because it's general electric car stuff, of which there's going to be more and more and more of this kind of thing. It was something I was reading. You know, the I-Pace has a very long wheelbase, and the wheels are pushed right out to mm-hmm. the corners, and particularly at the back. The rear overhang is very small indeed. Mm. And apparently, if this had been a 400 horsepower internal combustion car rear wheel drive as a Jag would have been 10 years ago they couldn't have had that 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 shorter rear overhang because there wouldn't have been sufficient weight over the back end to Uh give it adequate traction Uh so it's only because it's four wheel drive because it has a motor on each axle and that they're able to play more tunes on traction control using the intelligence Mm. interesting so it's a weird way it's electronics or electric cars rather have liberated styling because designers love short overhangs well and there's another reason I think why I would imagine it's liberated styling and liberated designers in other respects in that Surely, if you're putting together an electric vehicle, sure, there are some things that you can't move around so much, but there are a lot of components that are kind of easier to move around relative to one another mm. in the whole architecture of the vehicle than in a, an internal combustion engine vehicle. You can shuffle batteries around all over the place. You know, usually you're going to put them as low as you can and out of the way of the people, but you can move batteries all around the place. A lot of the other electronics you can move around, power control stuff. Wheels and suspension have kind of pretty much got to be on the corners, but, yes, but you've got I'm... a fair bit... Well, but hey... Uh, maybe you can play about with yeah, that. Well, actually, that's just the kind of stuffy thinking that's why you shouldn't run a car cup. No, but it's interesting, and it goes back to this thing about Aston as well. It's like, well, that vanquished vision is like, well, it's only got a V6 where once it would have had a V8 at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Mm, at least, yeah. And yeah. a V6 is just inherently smaller, though also a more disappointing engine format. But let's go bog down in that. But and it's then, a smaller thing, and then so you've got a, a electric, smaller package to yeah. fit and in. Then, the, but then easy. the extra oomph comes from electric motor, which I'm going to guess is probably on the front axle. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't, but so already you've taken that away from the engine bay as it was in the mm. middle. So then you can more tightly wrap the bodywork around that and then you can still get a nice snubby nose with an electric motor buried in there, and then you just mm. got to you know, stick the batteries in the what was the transmission tunnel type thing in the middle. It's, yeah. BMW is sticking straight sixes in at the moment. I think it's about time we had a straight seven. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I mean, we've had fives. Well, yeah, the, the straight five. seven. Hmm, interesting. I, can't, I certainly can't think of a seven cylinder engine vehicle. Any Yeah, they don't count, though, do they? They're usually nine, aren't they, I would think. What? But yeah, a straight seven, yeah. it would give you the performance of a straight eight with the economy of a straight the six. The performance so. of a straight eight with a broken cylinder, thank you. <laughs> 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 with one spark plug missing. Let's stay with mega ultra future cars. Well, actually, maybe it isn't a mega ultra future car anymore. The Koenigsegg Jesco. Have you seen this? Yeah. 300 miles per hour. Mm. 
But I believe it's using steam, isn't it? Is it petrol or oil? It's using some old-fashioned form of power, is I it, believe. Has that not got anything electric on it? I don't know. It's probably a bit of a hybrid, isn't kind it? of in on that a little bit. They've done that fascinating... Um, What's it called? The one with the that's got no gearbox because the electric motor does the sort of hard work to like get it off the line and stuff, and then it just has an incredibly oh. flexible, torquey internal combustion engine as well. You can do it's, away it's with one gear, which Alex Isagonis, Mister Mini Inventor yeah. Man, yeah. was mucking around with stuff like that in the late sixties, early seventies. There, there is a, there's a one gear, or they call it the gearless Mini, that still exists in the museum. In Hybrid powertrains allow you to do away with reverse for your internal combustion engine. You just have an electric you can just reverse. Use the electric uh, yeah. 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 There's the advantage there. Yeah, that Koenigsegg is brutal. 300 miles per hour? The tyres must be quite a challenge for that. Oh, yeah. Who makes those tyres? For Koenigsegg? I don't know. Who who, who makes the tyres for the the Bugatti? Yeah, because that'll be the most outrageous Uh, They were Michelin's, I think, certainly on the Veyron. Mm. They're huge expense. Most tyres on really, really high-performance cars now are bespoke. There is bespoke Mm. as other parts on the car. You know, tyres used to be very generic, and they still are on sort of low-ender stuff. But... A new Porsche 911 GT3 or something like that. The tyres will be made in conjunction with Michelin Pirelli or whoever. And they'll be left and right as well. Yeah, yeah, they? and they'll be handed. Yeah. And also, you know, they're yeah. wider at the back, obviously, on 911s and a lot of other stuff. And it's, yeah, so I don't know whether Koenigsegg get bespoke tyres or if they just sort of piggyback off some other hypercar tyre. But, yeah, quite serious bits of... While we're no talking tire. about Bugatti Zog, have you seen the Voiture Noir? The Voiture Noir, Noir yeah. The, uh, what a name. The Atlantic-inspired tribute, new most expensive car in the world... I mean, I have to say, the first thing I thought when I read that was, that sounds like a very bad idea. Just because, if you know a bit of Bugatti history, the Bugatti company Mark I went bust largely because it launched the most expensive car in the world (laughs) and then uh, failed to sell enough of them. Is this history repeating itself? Yeah, they, they launched the Royale, basically just as the world economy tanked, couldn't sell them, company went bust. So, it's also because they were so trying to upsell people to the Royale with cheese. Well, that... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and, and, you know, if you're selling it for two ninety nine, when it's yes. cost you, you know, <laughs> 400 billion <laughs> francs to make, you're not going to do so well. But that said, they but seem to be... this is a one-off, isn't it? So, yeah, this is... So yeah, this, kind of, this isn't quite so there. reckless. It's a one-off... They've already sold it, mm. so... Um, it, what, literally one car? Literally one yeah. car. It is a one-off, and I think it was 12 million... Yes, yeah. euros. I don't, I don't know whether that's euros, Plus pounds, tax. or dollars, but it's 12 million, whether it's euros, pounds, or dollars. It's that's a, a lot of It's money. a hell of a lot. And, yeah, it's already spoken for. They won't say who's ordered it, who's bought it, but they've clearly, uh, clearly covered their costs on that. So, yeah. <laughs> so this one is not going to sink the company. There's another car that's almost stratospheric, nowhere near that sort of region of that voiture noir. Yeah. But Rolls-Royce have started doing these collection cars, these limited edition mm. versions of their cars. And they've done a version of the Phantom called the Tranquility, I believe, at the moment, which is kind mm. of appropriate considering we're in the 50th anniversary of the landing at Tranquility Base. And you're going to love this, Sog. It's got part of a meteorite in this car. The theme is tranquility. It's all white inside. It's all lovely. It's nice. It's calm. It's Rolls Royce, sir. Don't worry. I'll take care of that, sir. But it's actually got... I've got to read this. It's written down here, the name of it. The Muanonjona Luster meteorite, which is found somewhere on the Finnish-Swedish 
border in the same year that Rolls-Royce were founded, oh, in 1906. And it's actually got a bit of that meteorite, I think, in the volume control or something. Is it an iron meteorite or a rocky one? Or a, and uh, it's an iron a meteorite. I'm not certain. But there can't be very much of this, and they've shared it amongst these limited few collection cars. But actually, at the same time, that bits of meteorite are wonderful things to have or to gaze at, although, in a way, you could regard them as being kind of mundane because they often look like just little bits of rock. Yeah. But these are bits of rock or bits of metal that are probably four and a half billion years old. Happy birthday And, you know, you. how often do you get to handle something that's four and a half billion years old? Mm. But you can buy little bits of meteorites surprisingly cheaply. Can you? Yeah. You can I, get them in the Science Museum. You can buy bits of meteorite, can't you? Yeah, um, and you can get, you get meteorite jewellery. A couple of years ago, I picked up an ear stud made out of a tiny chunk of meteorite, mm. which unfortunately I lost last month somehow. It cost me 25 quid or something. Mm. for what to me is an absolutely magical little, little bit of rock. space. Well, you should buy yeah, one of these, it is a bit of space. Uh, these exactly. phantoms. Yeah, that'll suit you, you get, sir. Ooh. You get a bit of meteorite in your Reck- body. Reckon they take 25 quid for it? Oh, I'm pretty sure yeah. they'll do a deal, yeah. I just wonder if yeah, it rattles sure. as you drive along. It sounds like <laughs> it's inside. The, I don't know, I might be not quite getting the gist. Anyway. You but, might uh, argue that the Bugatti Voiture Noir was the bravest car at the show. I don't think it is. Do you know what I think the bravest car the brave, at the show is? As in, is it really a good idea to launch this car? Do we really want to try and sell to somebody car? Is that the... Well, if I tell you what the car is, I'll then explain why I think it's brave. The Citroen Ami 1 concept. I think mm. that looks fantastic. I love that little thing. It's a great car. I think it's a great idea. I'll, I'll explain why in a moment. But I think it's brave because of... Citroen's rich 100-year history. They've got mm. some glorious cars. They've plundered Deus, the SM, you could bring that back. The De Chavaux, everyone loves the De Chavaux. Mm. People quite like the Diane. Mm-hmm. Does anyone really remember the Ami fondly? Do you remember the Citroen Ami with that reverse angle rear window? So to bring that name back, that's very brave. It's just the name, yeah, really. Yeah, no, and, and yeah. fair point about the name, but that's a... Really, I was going to say beautiful. It, it is beautiful. It's quite a boxy little thing, but in a very cute way. Yeah, it's And it's cute. designed to be an urban electric runaround, I think with an eye on shared use mm. and yeah. fleet use. Yeah. And so they're thinking about... Personal mobility. Yeah, yeah. And I like what they've done with the doors on it, where the handle is on the right-hand side, whichever side of the vehicle you're on. On oh, one side, I the door see. latches at the back of the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other side, it's at the front. Yeah. It sounds a bit oddball, but I think it really, really works. I think it's a really lovely little have you, concept. Have you seen and the I door hope, I hope they make it. I didn't notice the door handles. They're like straps. They're like little leather straps folded back of themselves, which is fine, but I think above 30 mile per hour, you're going to get... As you're driving along, as they flutter in the wind. But it's limited to 30 mile per hour. The car has a range of about 60 miles. Now, remembering what you revealed about the most popular Chinese car at the moment, is that little electric car that they make, which has a range of something like 50 miles. Mm keeps the cost down, makes it doable, you well, might say. Having talked about some of these insanely expensive, ridiculously high-performance either concept or production things that have been launched, it's nice to talk about something that's Mundane. intended to be cheap and practical yeah. and usable and within the reach of the everyday driver, not something that you're going to have to build a multi-billion dollar company and then sell before you can afford. Yeah. I see your Citroen Ami 1 concept and I raise it with the Fiat 
Chento Venti concept. Have you seen this, Richard? This is essentially it's a gussied up version of the new Panda, the next yeah. Panda, I think. Which looks quite sweet. Yeah. I presume because it's got coach door sort of things, hasn't it? So the whole yeah. side of the car opens up. Yeah. I'm guessing the next Panda won't have that. It's yeah, yeah. Show car thing, yeah. But, yeah, it's quite cute. Nice and nice. square. It's just amazing to discover that fear to developing any kind of new car because they just seem to be stagnating. It's mm, like, mm-hmm. rather than replace things, they just kill them off. They're also saying, they I think, do, this they week... They do small cars very well. They so do, but that's the, the thing. thing. The problem for do. Fiat, and the problem why Fiat sort of struggled is that, and you know, historically, they do do small cars, and they sold them in huge numbers, and they somehow have lost the way a little bit. And the profit margins are so small on small cars that, even on the 500, mm. which, you know, they could sell for a little bit more than they could a Panda, for example, but they kind of gave up on the punter. So it's just it's very odd. It's very strange to have Fiat just sort of threw in the towel, even in the areas where it used to be strongest. You know, the Punto used to be the yeah, car yeah. in Europe. And it's yeah, like, yeah. well, the Uno did, certainly. And it's like, why are they doing that? But the Panda, they've not given up on. So there's going to be a new Panda. And there's going to be a new 500, which will have, again, the buzz phrase of the Geneva show and generally the car industry, more electrification options. Do you remember that 500e? There was a Fiat 500e, which yeah. they only sold in the States. You could lease only in California, in fact. Yeah. Oh, my God, mm. it was incredibly cheap. Mm-hmm. Only two people in the States were leasing them was like $49 a month or something. That's ridiculous. Until Sergio Marchioni eventually just went, please, can everyone stop buying this car? <laughs> they were losing so much money on it. They had to do it because it meant they could then sell Ram pickup trucks and not get clobbered on their overall fleet average for their yeah. emissions. But he wanted to sell the bare minimum to allow that to happen. Interesting. That's and every time someone went, really, I could have not. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so... Yeah. Oh, Fiat Group or FCA, mm. they've been fairly active at Geneva. Not so many Fiats per se, no. but there's an Alfa Romeo Tonale concept. That's really nice looking at, <sighs> isn't it? Just? Wait a minute, are we talking about the same thing? That sort of small off-roader thing? Yeah, yes. red thing. Yeah, it looks SUV. like a Brera SUV to me. Have you seen the front end? It's yes. pure Brera. Yes, it's got a lot I of Italian in it. Well, the, okay, you must have seen different pictures to the ones that I've seen. Because <laughs> to be fair, I've seen some renderings, some drawings, rather than right. photographs of whatever they actually had on the stand. I haven't seen pictures of what was on the stand. But what I saw in those drawings... I thought it looked awful. I mean, really? Oh, really, yeah. I, I mean, think it looks like a modern Alpha Sud in many ways. It, it's got a lot of Sud about it, which is a cool uh, thing. It yeah. looked a lot squarer in the renderings I was looking at. I know, it's oh. really curvy, that's the thing. Really? I was going to say, it's got a very... I'm going okay, like to have, have a look at the... It's pretentious now. It's got a very sort of fluid... Surfacing on the sides, but very nice. Not voluptuous, not soft. It's still got a sort of tension to it. It's crisp, but at the same time, it's very sort of natural, very flowing. You know what? Zog and I were looking at some Alpha Segatos at XL just the other week. It looks like one of those Alpha Segatos. Exactly as you're saying, that fluid... Slightly bulbous okay, feeling well, about it. Well, if it looks anything like that, I'm in. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's got a lovely sort of... And this thing, because a lot of car design now is all, you know, random lines and slashes and creases and things that and modern... how can we make this thing look possible, a bit more yeah. Yeah. interesting? And that's the sort of the desperate way to try and make things look more interesting because it is all about the sort of final way you treat a metal surface because mm. fundamentally, you know, everyone's just making SUVs that are all sort of proportionally the same, basically. But this Alpha is sort of very, very clean lines. And as Gareth said, it's gone back to a sort of Brera, very slim, starey, scowly headlight, yeah, rather yeah. than those funny sort of lights on the... Uh, the Giulietta? The Julia, uh, well, the Giulia and sorry. the Stelvio. Yeah. But which are both, I think, sort of... They're not hideously ugly cars, but they just sort of feel like they could be prettier. And mm-hmm. this seems like it is actually getting towards... as small SUVs go I think it's quite a looker it's the Jeep Renegade underneath yeah, when it yeah. makes production it's still a concept I don't know, apparently. So, so it's going to be quite small as well because those Renegades are massive so. you I'm sure, mentioned sure. cars yeah. with unnecessary edges to them to mm. make them interesting have you seen the Janetta Acula their hypercar oh god yeah it's awful no it's an absolute 
dogs doing that. I'm glad it's not just me thinking this. No, it's horrendous. Shocking. Also, I could have designed a better. Can car. we just? There's something else that needs debunking here, in which yeah. I've seen like Her Majesty's auto car continually peddling this fib. Janetta's own engine. It's not Janetta's own engine. It's a crate engine from the US, which they modify to their specs, not their engine. A crate engine. You know, GM like and Ford do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or something like that. Well, yeah. well, 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 yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. well. It's all horse plot. Anyway, that Alpha looks nice. So another car which I really like. Ordinary car, not sexy, not super exciting, but is really, really nice. Is the, the Peugeot. New Peugeot 208? It's right, gorgeous. Yeah, and the 508 concept as well. Also, yeah, they yeah, really yeah. nice. And do you know what? Again, I don't want to sound very nice pretentious and trying to be a car designer, but there's something which I think is really good about that. 208 is that obviously some people who now work at Peugeot know how to draw cars again because they had those wilderness years when all their cars looked friggin awful and suddenly it's not just the fact they look nice but also that I think some very clever designers have sat for a long time figuring out a design language a set of cues and shapes and things that could be applied equally to a little compact hatchback like the 208 that also work on a big saloon like the 508 Mm -hmm, mm, the mm. 208 looks like it's from the same family as the 508, and yet they don't look similar because their shape and proportions are different. But you go, oh, look, those are two Peugeots from the same family of cars. Yeah. In the way that actually Peugeots used to, you know, when the sort of the yeah. 305 and the 505 look of the family and then the, the 205 and the 309 and the 405, you know, all shared sort of things that made them obviously of the same Yeah, you could see the same DNA. Car maker, in the, yeah, in a very nice, elegant way when none of them looked contrived, but they all did look like they were related. That 208 has got a brilliant reinvention of the 205's C-pillar, hasn't it? It's mm. almost a copy, but it's not a copy. Yeah. It's, it absolutely evokes it. That's the thing. It's, it's a really, so well. really clever bit of design. And is that going to be the basis of the next Astra, then, that car? Corsa. Corsa. The next Corsa was, I gather, nearing completion. And when the Peugeot cell went through... So they've had to bin it off. Oh, really? And re-engineer from start? Re-engineer it. It's coming out quite soon. They've done a real sort of crash job on it. But what Uh they did, I think, supposedly what they did was they said, well, we'll keep the style, we'll keep the way, because we'd signed off for the looks. But then you can't just drop that immediately onto someone else's platform because it won't necessarily fit. Because you'll go, oh, s***. The firewall or something, which mm-hmm. is an integral part of the platform, you can't change it, it'd be too expensive. It's a little bit too tall to allow the scuttle to be where you want it to be. You move the scuttle and the whole design goes to cock. So it's one of those things where you have to sort of re-tweak everything, and they've done that, and it's on the 208. Lovely which job. is going to be usual range of sort of petrol engines and diesel, I guess, but then also electric version. And they're making a big deal out of this, so I'm sure the same was true of the E Golf and possibly the E Up, but it'll go down the same production line. So whatever version you order, it all goes down the same production line, which obviously brings economies of scale. And then it's going to be related to a Corsa and Citroens and all sorts of stuff. That other car that Peugeot have previewed recently, that electric car that is evoking the old 504 coupe. Oh, What's it called? I can't even remember it. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots and lots of people calling, oh, please build it, please build it. They're not going to be able to. That front end will never meet modern crash regulations. It's basically a razor. It's going to slice people in two. That ain't going to happen. Also, I didn't like that. Oh, I nice. think I'm the only person who didn't like that. I thought that they'd done the top bit, the glass house. Very thin. Thin and yeah. delicate to look Ooh, like yeah. a 70s car. Fair yeah. enough. But then the bottom, sort of swollen and muscular and yeah. using modern kind of surfaces. Unbalanced, really. It didn't sit right together. Yeah. I could see what they were trying to do, and it wasn't awful, but I just thought they could do better. And they wouldn't look like that, even if they did production, because they have to make the pillars thicker to get the airbags and chiseling. But anyway, I just wanted to mention... There's something I thought we should bring up is the Honda e-prototype. Absolutely. Ooh, Have I'm you seen this? Say Polestar, but no, Honda e Oh, the Polestar as well, yes. The 
yeah, Polestar yeah. is interesting, isn't it? But have you seen the Polestar in profile? Yeah. It's a Saab. It's also that hey, Kia Stinger in many ways as well. Long bonnet, rear, uh, stumpy tail. Yeah, it's a nice, bit, bit like the XE in that respect as well. Cute. But you're yeah. right. At the back, I think, mainly, it looks like one of those sort of, it could be a modern interpretation. In fact, it looks a little bit like those, some of those renders they released of what the next Saab 93 oh. was going to be, if you've mm. ever seen the light of day. Oh, uh, I, I, but I, yeah, that Honda e-prototype, I, I thought, because that is basically the production car now. Yeah. There was the concept what, last year, and that this is not a prototype at all. It's yeah. near as damn it. And it, yeah. I don't know, it yeah. looks mega. Yeah. It's really, really good. I'd say one thing for that car, it does look absolutely gorgeous. I love the fact that they're, at the moment, saying that it's going to have rear view cameras instead of wing mirrors, and if they're allowed to do that no, they legally, can. they can, they can, they can in Europe now. Yeah. Uh, you can't in the US because the Audi e-tron has them as well oh, as okay. an option. Yeah, be careful what you wish for on that front because you know for years it's been concept cars, all cameras for mirrors, and it's never mm. happened. Finally, it's happening. But apparently, in that e-tron, people I know who've driven it, the screens that show what the mirrors are seeing too low down. Yeah, so you're not looking to a natural sort of your instinctive. You look out the window yeah, to the mirror. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, want yeah, the screens yeah. where the Hondas put them, which is right at the corner of the window there. But are we not going to just get used to it? Maybe, just but it feels great. It feels you have to look down to see backwards. Tell you something else, yeah. very quickly. That Aston Vanquish Vision concept, if you look at it, from the back it looks like it's got a cover over its roof. It has no back window. <laughs> yes. And I thought, well, that's just a bit stupid, isn't it? I know mid-engine cars don't often have good rear visibility, but I've suddenly realised something doesn't have to have a back window. There's technology that's already Can out we? there. It's on the new Evoque. It's just been put onto that facelifted Jag XE as well. We're in the little shark's fin aerial that's on the back of the roof of a lot of cars now. A little camera. Mm. Yeah. And that feeds into the rear view mirror. So you yeah. get a virtual rear view yeah. mirror, effectively. Yeah. That's all you need. Just that's all you need, yeah. yeah. We are now living in the future. Oh, I've seen the future and it's it, got a camera. It. One final thought on that Honda before we go. A fab car... Reasonable range, ever so well styled. I think it's going to bomb, certainly in Britain, but perhaps in the west of Britain. If you sort of live somewhere near, perhaps within 100 miles, 50 miles of Swindon, you're not going to buy that car, are you? You join us here at Polexpo in Geneva for the International Motor Show, and what a show it is! Behind me you can see the new creation from reborn manufacturer De Dion Bouton, a 1,500-horsepower supercar with electric power. The famous French mark returns thanks to someone whose grandfather used to go to the same butcher as Monsieur de Dion, or perhaps Mr. Bouton. And the newly relaunched company's stand here in Geneva is just next to that of another new company with a familiar name. De Dion Bouton, whose 1700 horsepower electric supercar will compete head on with the newcomer from De Dion Bouton, whose 2500 horsepower supercar runs entirely on electricity, an idea they deny they copied from De Dion Bouton, who showed up here this week with a revised version of their 3000 horsepower electric De Dion Bouton smasher. Though don't think the French company will take that lying down as they've revealed the first details of a new 5,000 horsepower electric supercar that uses technology from old rivals De Dion Bouton, melded to a design from De Dion Bouton and is the first production of their merger with De Dion Bouton to form the new DD Dion Bouton Bouton company that's out to take on, you guessed it, Ferrari and several other De Dion Boutons. For New Zone, I'm De Dion Bouton, and so's my wife.
Geneva Motor Show is bringing us lots of exciting road cars and we are just over a week away at the point of recording this programme from the start of the F1 season with some exciting motorsport. Hooray! Have you been following testing, Richard? A little bit, yeah. It's always, oh, what can you tell from testing? Little bit. The Williams having a horrible time. An absolute nightmare. And that's all just there. But then at the top, I don't know, oh, Ferrari were faster than Mercedes. Can you tell too much from that? <sighs> There's a lot of stuff from Mercedes going, oh, no, oh, we're really going to get beaten here. I hope we don't lose in Australia because those Ferraris look really good. And you feel like, oh, it smells of sandbag a little. <laughs> well, a little bit, but as, as well as being fastest. Mm, sandy. <laughs> but yeah, as well as being fastest, Ferrari also ran more laps in testing than mm-hmm. Mercedes. That looks to me like Ferrari do have the edge on Mercedes but you know uh, Mercedes ran a faster race simulation I believe so yes, yes. but yes I mean that's the, the Ferrari's obviously very good but did you see but that? It was like that, that last year, wasn't it? They had a weird yeah, failure, though. Yeah. Did you see that? Something went bang on the left-hand side of Vettel's car and he stuffed it in the wall. Oh, yeah. A very strange wheel failure that they said was something to do with a stone because they're all running these um, it was a, it was cooling a, it was a damaged. It was a damaged wheel rim. Is so, that what it was there? Yeah, they yeah, said. They, at first, they couldn't... They, at first, they thought they weren't able to figure out what it was because there was so much damage to the car. Right. But then they got some more footage, got more data, and figured out that the rim got damage on the curb or something and that it, it exploded with a flash I've never seen really? that before yeah he was driving along, it was like bang wow and off into the barriers so yeah that was a scary moment Williams now let's start at the back of the grid oh isn't it sad saying Williams at the back of the grid it is and you know I keep kind of hoping that we're going to start a season with Williams looking like they're on the path to recovery. And yes. signing Kubica for this year seemed like a promising sign, you know, to some extent a sign of confidence that you're signing an experienced, talented driver, you know, mm. albeit one that maybe not every team would call on, but there's no denying that Kubica's a very talented guy. But yeah, they lost, what, two and a half days? Yeah. yeah. Missed it two and a half days, and the car isn't looking quick. Nobody sounds happy with the way things are going. Not only is the car not looking quick, it's not looking particularly gorgeous. That's not the best paint scheme, is it, Richard? Yeah, because they gave up Martini. one of the best. Yeah. Stripey mm-hmm. Martini, lovely. And now they've got this graduated fade around the Rocket logo. What the Rockets do, I went to check today, and they are pretty much ungoogleable in the UK because Rocket is a small chain of vintage clothing shops in London, and their SEO is clearly better than Rocket, (laughs) who turn out to be a sort of telecoms company. So they seem to sell sort of cheap handsets in some places. They're an affordable Wi-Fi provider in some countries. They've not launched in the UK yet. That's why if you try and look them up here, they're a hard search. You have to really do your homework. But I guess well, they're more known in other parts of the world. But it's just the fact that the colour schemes got an awful sort of white to blue fade, like something from the nineties. But you can, you, can, you can forgive any colour scheme as long as the car has the performance. But this yes. car doesn't have that excuse. But you know so, the old F one adage: "Zog, if something looks good, it probably yeah, it is." Yeah. The worst thing is that they've got arguably the best engine in F one at the moment: the Mercedes yeah. donkey mm-hmm. back of it. Sorry, power unit, not engine. Power unit, and. That can't make the car go quick. The drivers, of course, Robert Kubitzer, who's running under Two Fat Ladies, 88, and George Russell, who I believe is an estate agent. He sounds like one, doesn't he? Oh, butcher. Good George, Russell George Russell, butcher. Russell, fine butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Love that idea. Or oh, just one of those really yappy little dogs. That- 
Oh, George Russell. Hit number 63. Shame. What a great tragedy there, way at the back. Okay, next to them at the back of the grid, well, it's either going to be hmm, Sport Pacer Racing Points F1 The team formerly known as Force India. The team formerly known as Spiker. The team formerly known as Midland. The team formerly known as Jordan. Yeah, but when they changed names on those occasions, it was sort of like a complete rebranding. This is just they've crossed out Sport India and written Racing Points yeah, over the top with a marker pen. Sponsor, didn't <laughs> it's, they? Like, it's all the car looks the same yeah, colour scheme with that VWT yeah. pink and everything. Yeah. Which, when I went to the Belgian Grand Prix last year and they just had the sort of whole change of ownership thing, where it said Force India on their team shirts, they literally just covered over it with gaffer tape. <laughs> Yeah. Useful stuff, gaffer tape. And they're oh, yeah. so not knocking gaffer tape. Not, yeah, let, no, there's a sponsor. I like the way they're disguising their heritage as well because their car is called the RP19. I know it's for 2019, but it rather suggests that there have been 18 Racing Point cars before this. Oh, did you know, by the way, they tried to license the name Lola. They wanted to run the team as Lola. Did they? And they contacted oh. the people who own the brand Lola and they said, F off. Is that Eric? Um, it's not. not Eric, it was Eric Broadley, not anymore. No. It's now owned by Multimatic, a Canadian concern, I think. The they, Kinks. They the, yes, the Kinks own it. it Ray Davis. A sensible buy on Ray Davis. <laughs> they, they'd have offered the name up for enough dosh, though. I, I mm. mean, presumably it was just a question of they didn't want to pay enough for mm. it, I assume. Great name. Uh, Love Lola. Racing Point is a. Uh, what What's the yeah. point of racing? racing point. Yeah, no, it's it, one of those names. It's, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not a great name. It's not a great. Name. So they've got Perez number eleven and Lance Stroll. Great, Daddy, guy. Daddy, I want an F one team for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he's got it now, so time to deliver. You know, he's uh, yeah, because his dad's not going to fire him, is it? <laughs> Annie Bradshaw, so, who did the PR for Lance Stroll last year at Williams. Mm-hmm may or may not be biased, is absolutely adamant that he's going to outpace Sergio. And Annie knows Sergio from his A1GP days and loves him, loves mm. him. She thinks he's going to be... I don't know what she bases that on. Do you think that's going to happen? No. Um, I don't know. I like Perez. I'll be quite impressed if Stroll does that. He's certainly shown flashes of some talent. Flashes of cash, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he um, does bring sponsorship. Lots of Does he? Sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, he does. But yeah, but he's been doing this long enough now that he has to start delivering and deliver more consistency as well, rather than have those ups and downs of being good one race and then settling back into... You know, when were those races? I don't remember those. <laughs> he made the podium. In, oh, he did in Baku, didn't yeah, he? Was it? Was it Baku? Or did he crash in wasn't, Baku? Was it, wasn't it a wet race? I'm going to say crash because um, that's more likely. Isn't it? <laughs> because I think so. Don't let's not be too. Down. Let's not be too down. Do you know what? If he turns out to be blistering this season, let's be honest. The Force India team traditionally are one of those teams that they're sort of often kings of the midfield, aren't they? They pull it out of the bag. They Always just put do well at a really spa. tidy yeah. car. Yeah. Always at Spa. They've got a strong Mercedes engine potentially yep. strong if it was yep. like last year everything is there for them to do good business and so now it really is put up or shut up because mm-hmm. how mm. long will daddy tolerate you just hacking around well, and bumping into things and also, boy. Not, you know, but if it turns out he's brilliant Annie Bradshaw herself PR whatever she is can come round here and feed me my own words with a big spoon Okay, well, we'll have Annie long to do that if yeah. that turns out to be the case under this year there we go I wouldn't buy the big spoon just yet 
The next to them on the grid, the slightly confusingly named Red Bull Toro yeah, Rosso yeah, Honda. Done that? Yeah, uh, Red Bull Juniors. Yeah. yeah, they've got the STR14 with the Honda RA619H engine, driven by Alexander Alban, number twenty-three. He um, is fact for you the first Thai driver in F1 since the mid fifties, mm, which would have been Prince Bira. That's right. Yes. Spot yes, his badge. Uh, so, was he a prince, or was that just his name? No, no, he was a member of the Thai royal family. Yeah, exactly. was a prince. I think um, Prince of Siam, as it was as then. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think Shall so. we and, dance? Uh, and, and Bira is short for something slightly longer. Birabong something. Can't quite remember. But, but no. Alban is he, the first Thai driver British for British Thai. Know, sixty years. Well, yeah, he was educated in the Thai city of Ipswich <laughs> in Suffolk. Uh, born in London. Far East, isn't it? Uh, yes, Far East Anglia. I can't remember if it was Landon or Sir George Russell, but one of the guys who's raced against Alban in the last couple of years in F2 said, don't underestimate Alexander Alban. He won a race in F2 last year. Hmm? Brilliant drive. I rate him. And Daniel Kvyat, the comeback kid, is the other driver in that car, number 26. Now, two things. Well, first of all, did you know Kvyat chose number 26 as his race number? Because he just went... Oh, it's a number that has no meaning to me, but I want to make it have some meaning. Oh, Interesting logic. It's, so it's a kind of, go, it's it's like a kind of obscure, an optically well-known number. Yeah. What's it going to drag it out of obscurity? Yeah, you but know, I'm going to make it. It's make the, it a no, better When people known, hear 26 from now on, number. they'll say, that's that guy that's who's driven for Toro Rosso on three separate occasions and got binned off from Red Bull. I heard it was that's Vladimir cool. Putin's favourite number, and that's why he chose Probably. it. Well, the thing is, yeah, it occurs to me, it's, quite impressive, it's third it? time around for him. Time, so the point of Toro Rosso is a sort of almost like a feeder team for Red Bull. You feel good enough at Toro Rosso, when the opportunity arises, you'll get pumped up to the, the which big is what happened Bull, to which, which is what happened to Kvyat. He made a bit of a mess of it, got bumped back down again, and then binned off entirely. And now, for the third time, they've asked him back. How does that work? Also, yeah, Alban yeah. was on the Red Bull Juniors That's team, right. and he yep. got binned off, and yep. then they've asked him back. So the yep. system doesn't work. They've they, run out of drivers, basically. They're not, yeah. they're not they're looking terribly decisive, are they? No, yeah, it doesn't look like a well-oiled machine. I mean, if this was a medical school, you'd go, now, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I do not want heart surgery done by someone you previously had to not let this go guy, the, 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 for not being good enough. They're taking their exams for the fourth time. Yes. Yeah. Let's look at Renault. They've got the Renault E-Tech 19 engine in the RS19 chassis, driven by Daniel Ricciardo, number three, and Nico Hulkenberg, number 27. Ricciardo's got a lovely pink helmet this year. Have you seen his lovely pink helmet? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Mm. It might be in all kinds of no. trouble. And he's got messages on it as well. It's got the honey badger written on it but it's also got what does it say play hard be fair or something like that which is a slightly odd thing i think to have on a helmet i mean that's not a bad sentiment is it you know you kind of you want racing drivers to yeah. kind of play hard and you want them to be fair not to be play right. fair be hard it works either way around but it's hmm. it does actually doesn't it? yeah maybe that's it maybe hmm. it's like a fridge and they stick on and you they can move them round. Yeah. Space of meaningless <laughs> phrases on the back of his helmet. Or We're e- only a short step away from having some kind of thin film like e-ink built into the helmet so they can actually yes. have like, your tweets will show up on his helmet during the race. Oh, God, be, don't suggest that. I'm, I'm telling you, it'll happen. It will, it will. It I'm will. stoked, mate. I'm stoked. He can have that every time he overtakes. And let's talk about Rich Energy Haas F1 team in the Haas Ferrari VF19, another vertical fabricating it's a machine. Knitting machine, yes. Yes. With the Ferrari 064 engine, Romain Grosjean, number eight, and Kevin Magnussen, number 20, who I believe his name is Kevin, is that right? Mm, yeah. No, it's a common misconception, though. His mm. name is Ken Magnussen. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. And he mm. is. Still in F1. Yeah, well, Mm. he's kind of a 
fairly appropriate job. I mean, Haas are sort of turning to a good, solid, reliable midfield performer. Well, they were. Say? They, yeah, they turned up and they went, oh, we're going to win straight out of the box. And you went, no, Magnuson's? you're not. Uh, yes, I suppose you're right. But I saw Magnuson, I'm sure he's a lovely chap, but you always just look at him and go, will you ever win a world championship? No. Yeah, exactly. He's not the driver that you'd hire. If you've got a championship winning car and you want to win the championship, you're not going to hire Magnussen. But if you're a step or two below that and you want a reliable, solid, hard-working performer who's every You're now describing again someone who'd really... help you to put up some shelves, though, not someone who'd drive you <laughs> F1 car. It's like yeah, Rojan. And, 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 and every now and again have an argument with somebody else who's trying to put shelves up. Yes. <laughs> yes, and then just nudge into them. But Grosjean, it's like, you sort of go, well, could he win a world championship? He's, he's got sort of just enough erratic genius about him that, you know, Maybe. it might go his way Maybe. somewhere. It's, it's not impossible. Whereas Magnus, you sort of think, oh, what are you yeah, doing it's here? It's never really going to happen. He's got too many children to be quick, I think, now. Grosjean. Grosjean. Grosjean has three kids. I found yeah. this out the other day. Three? Yeah. It's extraordinary. Because yeah. you sort of think that F1 drivers are just constantly sort of being supermodels on a yacht. But no, he's a family man. He's got three kids. I know some of the other drivers have, but generally you sort of think your outlook changes when you have children. Yeah, I've got kids. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not sure who else Kimmy's does. But yeah. got, Vettel, I think his girlfriend yes. has oh, got yes. one. Yes. Yeah, 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 they're not married. Who else have we got? Valtteri hasn't, has he? No, he hasn't. Okay, Mind um, you, married to Amelia, you'd expect him to have at least a thousand the children. Others, the lovely. others are retired. Like, uh, is she? I don't, she's who's... gorgeous. Oh, okay. She's angelic. She's so lovely. Really? Oh, bless her. Sorry, I'll come back now, James. Where were we? Haas. They had a reasonable time at testing. Nothing yeah, spectacular. They, 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 what did they finish? Fourth in the Constructors' Championship last year. No. Oh, no, no sorry. They were after Renault. So yeah. it was Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, Renault, and then Haas. Yeah. But right. that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. solid. Pretty yeah. And is there a good chance they'll be doing that again this yeah. year? Here's the thing. McLaren F1 team. Do you know what their correct full title is of their team? McLaren F1 team. No mm. sponsor there with the MCL 34. No, but they've got tobacco money, haven't they? That they're not allowed to mention. Yeah, B-A-T, well. British American Tobacco. Yep. I've got a message on. It says something like building a better or for a better tomorrow, something like that. Yep. But there's some debate as to whether they will actually be allowed to have that on the car when they get to Australia because it's still a tobacco company. Because it's Ferrari vapes, have been told that they're not running that Mission, Mission Winnow yeah. branding yeah. because yeah. it's too similar to... To the Marlborough branding. Yeah. No, because it um, is Marlborough branding. Yeah, yeah. Even in black against red, I suppose white, it is. There's no two ways. Well, it's Philip Morris, who are the parent company of Marlborough. But Philip Morris own all the space on the Ferrari. You know this, and they sublet and it they to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does this mean they're not allowed to write lovely smokes down the side of the car either? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're gasping for a tab. Yes. <laughs> Probably it's not. like that episode of Father Ted yeah. <laughs> when he gives up smoking and everywhere he looks, the sings the two. <laughs> Someone exhales and it just says lovely smokes in the smoke. <laughs> where were we? We're McLaren. Uh, Lando Norris, number four. And Carlos Sainz, number 55. An unrecognisable McLaren. I still haven't got used to the idea of McLaren with Renault engines. And I mm. certainly haven't got used to the idea of McLaren with two drivers. Not only have neither of them won a world championship which is unusual for McLaren they've had a world champion driver for many many years oh it's been a while hasn't it yeah. Yeah. Alonso yeah. and Button. then Button and with Alonso yeah. which is double world champions and, and then Hamilton, Lewis and then they were actually winning world championships Hackenham. themselves yeah. so yeah that is weird isn't it oh, state of where they're at but then I don't know Norris is meant to be alright isn't he and great actually Science yeah. Junior has his moments yep and so, who knows? It's down to the car a lot, isn't it? Just yeah, to, can they get they, that car sorted out? They were looking okay, but I kind of think they might be doing just a little bit better if they'd stuck with the Honda engine. 
you yes. know? I guess because of the way that you know relationships had gone, and maybe even for PR reasons as well, they kind of had to. Well, get because hold of, their I think lead driver practical. kept saying that the engine was cack. <laughs> It's, like, it's yeah. a kind of hard one to PR your way out of, isn't yeah, it? it? But it hard to it's then become things. very ironic that the engine is now quite good by the seams mm. of it. Talking about know. the Honda engine, Aston Martin Red Bull Racing have got a Honda engine. That's so weird. Why would Aston Martin put their name on a car that previously had a Renault engine that was sold as a Tag or a Casio, and now it's a Honda? It's just... Does it make sense? Well, again, but with both Renault and Honda, Aston are hardly competing with those companies for sales. It's not like they're. You and know, they'll the, sell you a conflict. road car with a Mercedes engine. And they used yeah, to try well, and sell you a road car that was a small Toyota with a well, leathery interior. I mean, Mercedes so, you know, do own shares not, in Aston Martin. A little bit, yes. Yeah. But they are doing a car with Red Bull. Well, with Adrian yeah. Newey, aren't they? So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's sort of. There's That's a bit of crossover. Yeah, That's yeah, the, the reason. reason. It makes it, kind of sense. It's not exactly the first time there's been some. Slightly Weird cross-branding. Branding. Mm-hmm. So we've now got Max, number 33, and Pierre Gasly, number 10, alongside him. Pierre Gasly's all right. Used to be a member of Supergrass, I believe, if you look at his facial hair. I'm pretty sure he was in Supergrass. <laughs> and he's not going to get anywhere near Max, is he? It's all about Max. All about Max. Sure. Yeah, it is. Max is a terrific driver. Yeah. Gasly is probably pretty great, but... I'm sure he's good, so... But he is as good as a Verstappen. But then he needs to just sort of chill out sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. But then it's but sort of, you don't have to chill out so much that he doesn't go for the really insane stuff that he makes stick, because that's he, what makes him exciting. But he did kind of do that last year. Having been pushing really too hard and just trying too hard and making too many mistakes, he did dial it back and mm. get it under control. And, yeah, I think he's shown that he has the brains as well. Yeah, that was too patronising. He's just maturing a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's only seven now, still. Top three teams, arguably... above George Russell, then, isn't he? Yes, yeah. Uh, Top three teams, arguably the third team at the moment... Are Alfa Romeo racing? But if they're Alfa, why are they the third team? What, third team? Well, I think they are possibly quicker than Red Bull at the moment. They've had some. It's testing. I know. Yeah, it mean nothing. I know. I know. They how, finished. How many times are they going to last in the championship? But they've last got year. Kimi. How many well, times are they going to out-qualify Red Bull this season? Come on. Uh, at all? I think Kimi could get four. Oh, yeah, no, Raikkonen like, might like, slide it past Gasly, I think. Some random thing. Yeah, there'll be one race in the season where suddenly it's like, oh, look, not Sauber, qualified in fifth or something. Yeah, yeah I agree, I agree. You, you can't rule out Kimi just pulling something out of the bag. And how's old Giovinazzi? He's all right. He's been a bit of a disaster when he's had tests. Oh, he had a couple of runs and he previously. Drove for them, didn't he drove for yeah, them? Yeah, he did. In China, it was all over the place, I'm afraid. I don't get it. If they are Alfa Romeo now, not Sauber, yep. why has the chassis got a Sauber number? C38. Does that mean it's been 38 years since the first Sauber? Mm. Can't be right. Well, do they also use the, uh, all their stuff? So, were like those racing mercs and things were C. Oh, maybe so. they did. So, there's yeah. been so more than one. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you know yeah. why Sauber used that C? Everything starts with C, their code names. No, do tell me. It's because. Cigars. Peter Sauber likes a cigar. No, crisps. He loves crisps. That's what it is. No, because his wife's name starts with a C. I think it's Christine or something like that. Really? And yeah, and he, when he started off making oh. racing cars, he did. Uh, oh, good for him. All romantic cigars. Now, so the two things about Sauber I learned today. The other one is that when he went into racing, Peter Sauber, it meant him turning his back on going into the family business, which is making traffic lights. 
Really? <laughs> the tremendously exciting traffic light business. Yeah. I think, uh, I think yeah. Peter Sauer made the It's right full move. of changes, but... So uh, Sauer hey. should be quick off the line at the start of the race. Well, really, he, knows, he knows how to read a traffic light. Yeah, he does. So the top two teams are... Scuderia Ferrari, Scuderia. It's pronounced Scuderia, not Scuderia, by the way. Scuderia. It rhymes with diarrhea. Diarrhea Ferrari. Yeah. The SF90 with the Ferrari Zero 64, Sebastian Vettel number five and number sixteen, Charles Leclerc. They're taking the battle to Mercedes AMG Petronas Motorsport with their W10 EQ Power Plus. It's a great name, isn't it? It's just a name. Though. These are all just marketing meetings happening here. Well, the chassis is the W10 EQ Power Plus. Yeah, the other thing is the e- W10, because that's just like, that's yeah. how you'd file something. Yeah. Everything else is a marketing meeting. The Power Plus. Yeah, they could call we, it Kenneth Williams if they wanted to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, Lewis Hamilton, 44. Valtteri Bottas, 77. Is Valtteri going to beat Lewis this year? No. No. No, he ain't, is he? Bless him. Yeah, we no, love he, him. He's got he, a didn't, beard. he didn't win anything last year no true and he had some bad luck but he, he sort of has a stoicism to him that you just think Sisu it's yeah called Sisu, yeah. it's extraordinary yeah. isn't it and he is the perfect accomplice to Hamilton because yeah. he just keeps out of his way yeah, but it's I mean, quite sad yeah a little bit from Mercedes point of view that must be just about a perfect driving line because they've got an astonishing talent in Lewis Hamilton in Bottas they've got a terrific number two he's a guy that they don't he's no trouble <laughs> and he is good that's the he's, thing I mean, yeah. he's, no he's really good he's no trouble and you're hardly ever going to have to kind of tell him to not be quite as quick as Lewis because he he's, knows his he place very well. that's why I mean he's quite sad about it you just go oh is he a seething cauldron of resentment inside or is he actually just fine with it he's just like eh. at the point of recording here we are just over a week and a couple of days before Melbourne and he said Adelaide there I'm so old school who's going to win this championship Zog I'm going to say Vettel actually I think Ferrari really are looking strong Uh, for the first time in several years I'm not sure that it's going to be Lewis so I'm going to say Vettel Richard Ken Magnussen just to swipe the smoke smile off my face and leave me being pinned down by Annie Bradshaw at the PR while Ken Magnuson goes, I see, I told you I could do it. I, if that's how he speaks, I can't remember how he speaks. We'll, we'll say, we'll close, say that. But yeah, otherwise, Lewis Hamilton. I'm really conflicted. Yeah, I want Lewis to extend this incredible record and at least match Schumacher. I think that would be a fantastic thing if we can get there. So that means he's got to win this year to be able to do that. I think once Lewis loses momentum, he'll lose interest and he'll go to fashion and rock and roll. He won't be interested in F1 anymore. However, I do like Charles Leclerc. I think he's an extraordinary talent. And if he gets ahead of Vettel in the first few races, if Vettel's still slightly fragile like he has been and makes a couple of mistakes, Mm. and Leclerc gets that momentum, a few extra points by race four, if Ferrari get behind him, Leclerc could be the champion at Ferrari. Or certainly the champion that Ferrari will back for the championship. Their vanguard, the man that they'll get behind. And it would be amazing. To have Ferrari winning again would be wonderful. To have Leclerc winning because he's just magic would be wonderful. Is it going to happen? Who knows? We'll find out soon, won't we? Yes, I hope. Ten days, yeah. ten days to go. I'm so happy to be in a long winter of discontent and the motorsport is back. He was Richard. Goodbye. He was Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth and we'll see you for the next show in a fortnight after the racing has started again. Hooray! To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth!
Eric Jones and Spears!